What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast, episode 133, a Monday rundown, actually on a Monday this week. Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the NCAA football, college football rankings and the playoff. Talked a little bit about the structure after that. Following that, we talked MLB. The hot stove is hot right now. Most of the players have signed. We talked about what dominoes are to fall next. After that, we went up and down the NBA, talked a little local, and then we did some college basketball right before conference play starts up. So we'll be back on Wednesday with an NFL pod. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, the greatest website in the world, SorrySports.com. And shoot us an email if you have anything to say, SorrySports at Yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We're here for a Monday rundown. Actually, on a Monday. First time in studio in a bit. It's good to see you, man. Good What's to going see you on? Too. You look the same. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Sad. Sad. No, not no, at all. What? You're a fucking bad. You're getting <laughs> off to the start of this pond. <laughs> you know what? You, you couldn't you talk great. for a while. You you're great. all upset. About I had to get my licks in. I'm there sorry. you go. You look no. great. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, my friend. So, why don't we jump into college football? Don't have to talk Alabama. That's Don't nice. have to talk Bama. Unless you want to really talk about the or the Citrus Bowl, which I don't. So, Are you going to watch it? Of course. All right. Well, whatever. At least you're not that much of a fraud. I'm wa- not going to watch it. Is this your first time not being in the college football playoffs since it originated? Yes. I feel so terrible for you. As the sports feelings are, I was waiting don't feel for that. bad at all. Yeah, that's don't, okay. You don't, need, don't, don't need your sympathies. But yeah, obviously we're a week late. This was decided last week, but we haven't talked about it yet. So let's get into it. The committee decided on its four teams. And really, this was the easiest of all the years since the inception of this. Not I even mean, close. Like what, what argument was there for any of these teams? Obviously, LSU, yeah, LSU was one because they had the most convincing win, beating Georgia, who was the number four team in the country. Uh, they just destroyed them. Joe Burrow, I mean, if he, as if he needed any more validation for the Heisman, which he won on Saturday night, he showed out on that uh, in that SEC championship game from, and Georgia just had no answers for him. Um, Obviously, you got Ohio State at two. They got off to a little bit of a rough start in that Big Ten championship game, but won convincingly against Wisconsin. Clemson right there at three. They played nobody all year, including Virginia, who was their opponent in the lackluster ACC. And then finally, Oklahoma. They won the Big 12 championship. They beat Baylor twice, who was a top 12 team. And because Georgia lost, Bama had two losses. They were the next team. There was nobody else to put in this thing. Georgia was the only other team they had two losses to and obviously got waxed in the SEC title. So this was the easiest year. Like we talked last year pretty at length. You were not as much of a college football guy at this point last year. But what are your thoughts on on the handling of this? And, and do we still have room to grow with this playoff picture? Or can are we kind of just recency bias and recognize, eh, this was pretty easy this year? Well... It's good for college football right now because if they if this got a little more complicated, everybody would have been talking expansion and whatnot. But again, you already said it. This is the easiest since the BCS Bowl of years since they did this college football playoff thing. 
of picking teams. I don't think there was another. I don't think you can argue any other team in the country, really. No, and the seedings were perfect too. LSU was the best team in the country. Ohio State was the second best. Clemson was never tested other than North Carolina, but they handled business. You can't penalize them for who they play. And then you have uh, Oklahoma, who they, aside losing to that in Kansas State, nobody they were going to be judged against had a resume like theirs. Absolutely. I do still think they should expand it. I think you should have, I guess maybe you would have the five, the power five conferences yeah, if you win your if you win your conference title, then you're basically an automatic bid. Then you would have a sixth team from outside of the Power Five conferences, maybe like a Boise State if they're really good, or a few years ago when UCF declared themselves the national champions because they were undefeated. And then you throw in maybe two more, like you could sneak in Alabama in there because they had a pretty good year this year. And then you could toss in a Georgia or. Somebody from two the at large 12 bits. exactly. Yeah, two where you actually have a decision to make. I would like to see that, but it's still better than the BCS. We're making progress here. Yeah, it's better than the BCS, and, and you hit on something that I definitely want to have a conversation about because I'm in complete agreement with you under that model. I know we've talked about it at various times, and the reason I think eight works perfectly is – it sets up room where nobody is going to have to question. And now only if it's eight under that format that you brought up. I think that's the perfect Because what I hate right now is there's no value in the conferences. And listen, football is a really hard sport. Like you're going to have a slip up from time to time. And those home fields and these rivalry games that we are believed to, you know, are believed to be important, then, you know, you're going to have your Ohio State getting killed by Iowa on a Saturday night. You know, like that just, that happens. Like you're going to have Kansas State playing a really good game and upsetting Oklahoma who didn't bring it. Now, again, this is not a perfect analogy, but I think about it in the NFL, okay? Like the New England Patriots, I think, could be anybody on any day. They'll get in because of their division, because they are forced to play in a division. Divisions matter in the NFL, just as conferences matter in the pros. We're believed to believe, you know, we're believed to be told that, okay, if you win your conference, that matters. You know, you play conference opponents. Well, then you look at a team like Clemson. I'm sorry, if we're going just purely off conferences, why do I believe Clemson's one of the four best teams in the country? They have not played anybody. Now, I think they are because from a talent perspective and going off of what they did last year with Trevor Lawrence, this is a team that can beat anybody on any day. But I'm not saying that because of what they did in the ACC this year. And that's kind of my point where if you do the eight, put a value on these conference championship games. I'm watching these games on that Saturday and I don't know if any of them matter. I mean, dude, a couple years ago, Alabama didn't play in the SEC championship game because they lost to Auburn. Auburn got to play in the SEC championship game. They got to win that game and they still didn't get in because they had two losses. Meanwhile, or uh, yeah, they got two losses. Alabama was actually better that they didn't play in that game because they got to say, well, we only had one loss and it was on the road at Auburn. Like who was representing the SEC East in the uh, or SEC West rather in the SEC title game. These conference tournament or these conference championship games don't matter if you're going off the four best teams in the country. So 
either get rid of conferences, which they'll never do because of rivalries, and they bring in way too much money. Well, it's not even it's rivalries, and it's all the money that it brings in. Well, and that's all the money it generates, with right? The, especially now with the TV. Yeah, Ohio State, and Michigan gets played every year. You know, Alabama, Auburn. The you know you get all these, especially in the last week of the season. Those interconference rivalries, those matter. Absolutely. And so, you think they're going to want to get rid of the SEC network or the Big 12 network or no, any of that stuff? No, of course not. So that's a good point. I mean, that, they're money-making machines. So you're not going to get rid of them. But let's put a little bit of value, okay? If you're a team like Wisconsin and you beat Ohio State, you deserve to get in. Not because I think all of a sudden you're a top-four team in the country, but let's see you play, you know, a Clemson. You get, uh, you know, you're an automatic bid. And if Ohio State's as good as they are, they just had to slip up in that game and they'll get a chance to prove themselves in this eight-team playoff. You get a team like a Memphis or a UCF or, or, a, or a Boise State in there because, listen, they don't play anybody. But I still think that I'd like to see the chance, part of the romanticism of sports, is the underdog. Well, I think this year it would be a team like Utah. Well, they would, in they, the would be in, they would be in under this model as one of the two pa- um, Power Five uh, wild cards, if you want to say, bids. So let, you know, the Pac-12 doesn't get anybody. But if you win the Pac-12, we're believed to be that, we're believed to, you know, hear that you matter, right? Absolutely. So so let's see if you matter. Washington Go, won the Pac-12 this year, right? No, Oregon did. I'm sorry, yes, so, Oregon. So if Oregon goes in and beats, you know, Let's say Clemson. Well, shit. Maybe that brings some respect back to the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. If they get killed, then hey, they had a shot at least. They won their conference and were playing, you know, nationally ranked teams. You're in the game. So I, I think that that works, and you can have a third week. I mean, remember, last week was the um, Army Navy game that nobody watches. And this coming Saturday, there's nothing. The NFL's throwing three games on Saturday. Make Saturday, make Friday and Saturday, you know, your 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 games. If you want to give seeds one and two a bye, do that. I mean, you there's ways for people smarter than me to figure this shit out. That's why they have me. No, you're not figuring this out. Because I'm smarter than you. Uh, that's very debatable. Um No, I definitely am, and I think I could figure it out. It's not that hard. How do you want to play it? I think I would. What days first... would you play it? Because you're not taking a Sunday away from the pros. Absolutely not. Are you, you taking do it on the two a Friday bu- and a Saturday? The problem with the, the problem with the Fridays, though, you, what time are you playing these games? Later in the day. Okay, so you know ESPN has an agreement with the NBA. Yeah, but those rights are up in about two years. This isn't going to happen within the next two years. No, they're Amazon's not going to lose the NBA though. So on Friday, you know that on Amazon's going to scoop up those rights in a heartbeat. They have a lot more money. Well, not more than Disney, but. Amazon's going to be throwing a billy at it with all these streaming services. There's plenty of platforms. Regardless. Put it on Shawnee Boy. Yep, regardless. I've got it all figured we've got out. It, we got to see when is the time because it's going to be about viewerships. When are people watching these games? I think that it sounds pretty easy that you could do that. Do you give the first two seeds buys? Yes. You got to – at the end of the day, you got to give them a reason to be the first. You're not going to play one versus eight. No, that's silly. Yeah. I, I think that's a little much. And that's, that's going to be a blowout probably. And nobody wants to see that, so just give them a buy. Yeah, so then you let eight play three mm-hmm. and then move from there. Absolutely. All right. I mean, listen, I'm up for ideas. I think that eight is the perfect number with this model. You get to you get the committee to really only choose between three teams. Who's gonna who's the top 
FBS team, non-Power 5. And then who are the two best teams, non-conference winners? Okay, that's really easy if, let's say, uh, Ohio State had lost to Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Okay, that's Ohio State's only loss. Yeah, they're one of the best teams. Now, they're not going to be... They'll, and you can even seed them based off record. You don't have to give the five, you know, Power Five uh, Conference Championship winners, you know, the top five seeds. You know, Wisconsin's not a better team. Okay, you slide them in at maybe six or something. Put Ohio State up there, but at least Wisconsin gets in. Something like that. I, I don't know. I think there's still room to grow. You don't need to go to 16. You don't need any of this shit. We don't need to be playing March Madness another month. Right. Deal with that. The no. kids are going to get hurt. Eight under this model, you and I are in agreement, makes the most sense. Let's make this happen. And I think we could get there. Um, again, this is not the year to complain about the about the system, but all other previous years of this of this model have. So, yeah. All right. So, we got our, we got our teams lined up. What do you think is going to happen? I just don't see anybody beating LSU. I don't either, but I think that Clemson's quite a wild card because we don't know how good they are based off who they played this year. And I think if Clemson plays their best, there's nobody that could beat them in the country. That's interesting. I would probably have been in agreement with you even through the first half of this year, but just watching what LSU has done and what Joe Burrow's done, I mean, they still have a couple first-rounders on defense. I mean, Burrow kind of has that magic that Lawrence had last year, and he's playing actually ridiculously to a higher level because of his dual threat ability. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Clemson could theoretically beat anybody, but right now, I, I, I just this is a runaway train that LSU's developed. So who's your so who so obviously LSU's beating Oklahoma in the one four game to go on to the national title game. Who is your, out of Ohio State and Clemson, who's going on that side? I just like Ohio State this year better. I got I got Clemson. Yeah. Hey, based off last year, and again, they're still a really good team, obviously, this year. I trust Dabo, too. Mm-hmm. It's hard to go against Dabo. He's been there, done that. Yep. So, you're, I'm going to go, I think, obviously, LSU's going to win. And then in the national title game, although I think Clemson can win, I'm going to go with LSU in that one. Yep. They seem to just have that this year. I'm sure we're going to talk about this before. Um, before the national title game is played again, but we might as well make some predictions now. Why the hell not? So, yeah, me and you both have LSU winning the title, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's, that's it, great. Man. I'm hey. glad because as long as it's not Alabama and it's another SEC team, it's love not, it. It's not Alabama. Love it. Fuck you and fuck Mike. That I said it. so strong. I said it. I'm mad at him. He doesn't respect you. Oh, I don't give a shit. <laughs> of course he does. Of course he I don't respect him. That's fine. I don't respect him in the least. All right, now respe- you're- no, a respectful guy would at least give me a call or a text and say, you know what, I, I can't do this Monday morning quarterback. I didn't thing. hear I from you for plate. several weeks about doing the pod. I was on my deathbed. That's, that's different. Good CEO at least tells you what's going nah, on. No, I blame my secretary on that. <laughs> that he should have spread the word around. Comes down. He should have spread the you word around. You have absolutely no problem throwing anyone and everyone <laughs> under the bus. All right, let's move on to some MLB. You're the CEO that's going to go to jail for fraud. Um, All right. I'm going to have a good time before that, though. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> all right, let's move on to some of the hot soap stuff going around MLB. We talked to Cole pretty extensively last week. I'm still pretty giddy about it. Yeah, I mean, I think what we did last week was have our instant reactions about it. Right. And, and extrapolate out everything that it means there's reasons for concern because of the length of this deal and the figures obviously involved. But, what, but my man, what, are, what I'm tired of people saying this. What, I am what are too. The reasons for concern. 
if he does what CC does, I would take that in a heartbeat. If he does what David Price did for the Red Sox, I would do that in a heartbeat. He gave you a World Series championship. Even if it's just one, I think it's worth every penny. It's, it's not my money. so No, and that's how I feel. Like I hate that argument. Like The biggest problem with contracts sometimes What's is What's really going to kill me is like in fucking mid-July, he's going to give up like uh, six runs in a game. And you're going to hear on Twitter and, and around baseball and everything, oh, they paid way, they overpaid him, blah, blah, blah. Like, come on. Do he's you remember CC's first start? It was at Baltimore. He didn't get out of the fifth, and he walked like five guys. And the Yankees lost to a really bad Oriole team on opening day, and the panic button was smashed. How did they do that year? How did he, he do the World that Series? Yeah. I think. Yeah. So. so it's and again too, like it's not your money. Don't worry about it. And like fucking, does he make the team better than it was a week ago before he signed? That's an unequivocal yes. So Can't fucking relax. This was a great signing. Who cares if they had to pay him the extra money in the years to bring him east? He's one of those guys. He's just that guy right now that you just, whatever you want. And you know what I was thinking about this too, man? Talk about like people that are just like, you know, already throwing, splashing cold water on the whole thing. Think about this. What was the narrative last year? Oh, this team's cheap. You know, they didn't give the extra year to Corbin. They didn't want Machado. They signed LeMahieu. They don't want Harper because they bring back Gardner. This team's cheap. If George was alive, he'd sign both of them. How'd those teams do? They didn't, neither the Padres nor the Phillies made the playoffs last year. And on top of that, DJ LeMahieu was an MVP finalist, and Gio Urshela had one of the best years. I Absolutely. Mean, of any third baseman and in, listen, the, in you know, majors. You know my process when it comes to rooting for my team. <clears throat> for my, sorry, I'm getting a little upset here. Uh, it's My process when it comes to rooting for my teams is I'm an all-time pessimist. You know, If you ask me, Garrett Cole's going to get hurt in the first game, but that's just my process. <laughs> right. Okay? But when it comes to these people, just fucking go be a Mets fan. That's all I have to say. Well, see, that's If you want to sit there and sulk, go be a Mets because fan. Because if you're going to complain about them being cheap, and then get mad because Giancarlo Stanton is making X amount and he didn't hasn't had a great first two years in pinstripes. Again, who cares? They've won. They have won. A, they won a hundred games his first year and a hundred three games this year, and he didn't even play this past year. Okay, they went to Game Six of the ALCS against a team that's obviously cheated and has a little bit of checkered past in those series that they've beaten the Yankees. So. Uh, it's like an ultimate can't win. You spend too much or he's not worth the money. Okay, if you really want to play Captain Literal here, nobody is worth $326 million to play a sport. But we put the value on that as fans because we're going to the games. We're making sure we have the cable packages or the streaming packages to watch these games. We're buying merchandise, doing all that shit. We want to see the Yankees win. And if you are upset with how much money he's making, then you know what? Don't fucking go and cancel your 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 Yes Network subscription and boycott the games because you know what? Like that just makes you kind of the worst person. And also, how the Yankees find out with Jacoby Ellsbury? The guy hardly played, and you didn't even think about him because the money was not a problem with the New York Yankees. Money is not a problem. They will find a way to pay judge. They will find a way to pay Sanchez. They will find a way to pay all of these guys. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Garrett Cole makes them the world series favorite. They're better than they were without him. And I can't wait to see him pitch. Yankee fans are going to have a really good time with him. And he has five years before he can opt out. 
And if he really wants to capitalize on that, the Yankees will probably go back to their conservative ways and say, you know what? Thanks for your five years. And the World Series. Not yeah, wood. right. We're not giving you seven more. So even the CC deal, you know, the first four years of that deal, he was one of the best three pitchers in baseball consistently. And unfortunately, they only won one title out of it, but they were in the playoffs winning divisions and getting to the LCS every year. I mean... I'm looking at the landscape of the AL, depending on what what happens to Houston. You know, Boston, I still expect to be good. Tampa's always going to be good. But I don't look at any of these other teams, like Oakland or whatever, and say, like, wow, that's a team on the rise. Cleveland's dangerous, but they just traded Kluber. We'll talk about them. The Angels don't scare me. The Yankees should win this division, or win this league. Absolutely. Head and shoulders. If they don't win this year, there's going to be hell to pay from me. Me. And right. Cashman's one of your sports fathers. He is. Real fast, you want to give him a little shout-out for this move? Hey, my, listen, Dad. You you did what you had to do on this one. We were clamoring for it. Me and you had a couple chats about it over the phone. I mean, you really ran up my minutes on my phone bill just asking my advice, and I just kept saying the same thing. Spend the money. You got to do what you got to do. This guy's the best pitcher in baseball. It's not even close. And you know what? He listened. Thank you for that. Brad Stevens, my other, one of my other sports fathers, is doing a really good job in Boston this year. We're going to talk a little NBA. The Celtics are, I believe, the one or the two seed right now. I know it's early, but they're a top three. Um, excuse me. They're a top three seed. Have a great record. Kemba looks to be really bringing that team together, unlike the other guy that's not playing in Brooklyn right now. Um, and then McVay, he's just, I don't know. I don't know. He got smacked by the Cowboys this week. I was right about that. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. Well, right now we'll focus on Cashman, and thank you. Thank you to Brian for that one. All right. We talked about what Strasburg got because that led to the Cole signing, but real fast, what did you think about Strasburg going back to D.C.? I felt like if it wasn't D.C., it was going to be San Diego. This was a perfect fit for him. He just won there. It's probably a lot more than they wanted to spend. But, but you know what? He's coming off a World Series MVP, and, and there's there's a big demand for pitching this year, especially because it was basically him and Cole. There's not much out there except maybe a little bit on the trade market. And this is the price that it cost him, and I think they did a good job getting him back because I think he's a great pitcher. A little more injury prone than Garrett. He's not Garrett Cole. He, clearly the money will reflect that in the years. Seven years, 235. Also two years older, too. Exactly. He's two years older, and he's also, I think, had one or two Tommy Johns. So he's not the same pitcher, but he's still dominant, and he's coming off a World Series MVP. I think the Nationals did what they had to do, and I think they're going to be a contender next year again. I think they're looking at the NL, and they're like, again, this past postseason has shown that just get us in there and – a top three of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin is capable of winning against anybody. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm a Nationals fan, I'd like to see them sure up that bullpen a little bit more. I mean, you really can't complain. You just fucking won the World Series, but that was a shaky pen. What they're, what are they going to do at third base is another question. Well, I saw it before we came on this podcast that they are all in on Donaldson. Okay, that's so a good they move. do that. I mean, he's not Rendon, but goddamn, is he good? He can hit. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He's a plus plus defender, and he's going to be a hell of a lot cheaper. I could see them getting him on like a three year deal. Yeah, three years, forty eight, something like that. Maybe I'm, yeah. I'm saying closer to like the seventies. Okay, but again, I mean, he he's not going to cost you what Rendon did, which is going to segue into our next one. Rendon signs with the Anaheim, Los Angeles, whatever the fuck, no one cares. They are Angels. Seven years, two forty five. I think, you know what, after the seasons that he's put up over the past few years hitting, he's come close to a batting title seemingly every year for the past few. 
Hits, he hit over 30 home runs this year, and he had over 100 RBIs, and he's a stud defender. One of the best third baseman in baseball. clutch is hell, too. Yep. Sweet swing, great player. I think the Angels got a really good player here, and I think the Angels are going to be pretty good. Yeah, Matt West is kind I mean, there's no dominant team out there. Yeah, I mean, I think, obviously, unless anything radical changes, Houston's the favorite, and then... I, I mean, who knows? Houston might not be playing playoff baseball next year. Not or they might be. We t- I already told you about the Correa trade last week for the. Yeah, Mets. it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen now. But again, you you will you still go into a season with your front two. Of, and not to mention, not to mention, bro. Maybe they're not gonna be as good as fucking they were average wise or hitting home runs when they're not hitting here in a trash can every no, time an off speed pitch is coming. There's a lot of reasons to question them, and um, that's totally fair. I certainly do. <laughs> They're scumbags, but I mean, you still walk into a starting a uh, a a season with Verlander and Granke as your top two, and you still have you know McCullers is coming back from Tommy John. You've had guys like Arcady come up. You have one of the deepest lineups in all of baseball. So I'd still give them the favorite. It's hard not to, but Oakland, you know what they're going to do. They're going to get off to a little shaky start, and then they're going to catch fire in the second half. Their pitching has gotten better. Remember, too, is they have a position player surplus, too, that has really kind of gotten them to a point where they came a little bit ahead of schedule too. They played in a wild card game two years in a row now, even though they lost both. That's a team on the come up led by Chapman and Olsen. Seattle stinks, but yeah, for Anaheim, I thought this was a good move. I thought that they were going to be getting a pitcher. Once Cole didn't go there, obviously Strasburg was already off the table. I mean, they could still sign a Keuchel. They could still sign a Ryu. Those guys are out there. We'll also see what's on the open market as well. Right. For uh, trades. Yep. So, but Rendon, I mean, he makes that team so much better. He gets their third base. You know, the hot corner is now filled up by a guy who's going to hit you 30 to 35 home runs, drive in 90 to 110 runs. And now you're finally giving Trout a little bit of cover, too, in this lineup. I mean, think about what Trout's done with basically no protection. He's finally going to have a guy hitting either Just to watch probably behind us, him. Yep. Yeah, to, to say, like, oh, shit, you know, this will probably put Trout's OPS up even more, which is scary. Oh, geez. Knowing that Rendon's going to hit behind him. I don't know what else this team is. I mean, they have Andrel- Andrelton Simmons. Uh, they're pitching, I don't know. I mean, they've got. Oh, oh, what's Otani? I think that's the biggest question. Is is what's Otani going to be from a from a pitching standpoint? I know he'll put up some nice numbers at the plate, but what is he pitching wise? Absolutely, I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to see. He just started throwing off a mound. I I don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the regular season. Probably not. But I mean, if he can give them a hundred innings this year, that'd be great. Yeah, you've I think got Andrew I think Haney make the playoffs. in yeah. the rotation. I, I'd. I don't know. I, this team still has a lot of questions to me, but they had a lot of money to spend. They're going to go out and get a starter. Yeah. I have a feeling they're going to either be either via trade or get one of these and there's still lower guys, end free agents that are out there. They're 100% going to get a starter. And yeah. I, I, Keiko's looking like he's going to go there. Keiko could go there. You know, you could sign a Homer Bailey who pitched well with Oakland down the stretch last year. Again, just get some innings dinners, get in some professional pitchers who can keep you in games because that's been their problem. They have not had guys to keep them in games. Um, so that's going to be a major point of concern for them. But the Rendon move, obviously a resounding success. That's one of the best players. That, he was the best position player on the market. We didn't talk much about Zach Wheeler going from the Mets to the Phillies. 
this move was crazy to me with what he got. He got five years, $118 million for, for a guy who's done literally nothing in Major League Baseball. No offense to him. He's done more than me, done yeah. more than you, but yeah. not by much. No, I mean, and this was an interesting contract because this was an analytics contract. Usually we see these big figures for guys who have been in the league for a while and they pay him based off of what he's been. This is actually a move paying what they think he's going to be because in the second half of 2018, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was. And he had stretches this year where he was fantastic. I mean, his his stuff is great. Absolutely. He just he's, has to harness it. I mean, yeah, he's sitting at 96 to 100 with a nice hook and he's got some good he's got some other good off-speed pitches, but I mean, consistency whether it be on the field pitching obviously or being able to stay on the field period is his issue. It's not stuff. No, never has been. And this is going to be a move that he's I He's like a three-starter to me. That's what kills me about this move. But yep. And again, like this is a guy that you trade for. He could be their three starter if you think about it, because they have Nola out there, who's by far their number one, and then they obviously have Arietta. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean they have. That's got a it. lot of money for a three starter, but it seems like Philly's got it right now. So. And they're hoping that he turns into a one. And a guy that I kind of compare him to a little bit from the Yankee side is Paxton, because I look at James Paxton, who's going to be a free agent at the end of the 2020 season, and from the left-handed side. He's dealt with injuries, much as, you know, similarly to Wheeler. But I tell you, man, when Paxton looks good, I mean, he looks, he's not one of those guys where it's like, oh, wow, like he really knows how to pinpoint the ball. No, he is dominant. And he will, he, he, he'll have moments where you just, you wonder how he ever, you know, struggles. And I'm sure he looked at this move and said, I'm just as good, if not better, and I'm left handed. Like if he has a really good 2020 with the Yankees, I think. This move for Philly just set the precedent for that kind of genre of pitcher. And again, you might be paying James Paxton saying, hey, I know you've had stretches where you've been really good, but we're going to pay you because we believe you could be great for four years, five years. Yeah, we definitely could see that next season. It's going to be a decision that the Yankees might have to make. Another good reason why they signed Cole right there so they don't have to pay, they don't have to overpay him. They went out and got DD as well on a one year, 14 million year. Um, I wasn't, I mean, listen, thank you for your service, DD. You were in your pinstripes, I guess you can say that. But I didn't really want him back. Yeah, neither did your sports father. No. Because it was only money. He easily could have re-signed him. Yeah, it was, and he had come out, you know, pretty quickly into the offseason and had been, you'd been hearing, you know, rumblings that he was only interested in a one-year deal. He wanted a a prove me deal because he didn't have a great year. It was a, a, it was a shortened season because he came back from Tommy John and he had his moments, but there was a couple stretches this year where he was an automatic out. His defensive metrics went down a little bit and the Yankees have Glaber Torres, who's a natural shortstop. And they have DJ LeMahieu, who, even though he did a great job playing first, some third and, you know, second base is his natural position where he's won several gold gloves. So now you take care of that. And listen, a 29-year-old shortstop or 30-year-old shortstop coming off Tommy John and seeing some of his numbers dip a little bit, both offensively and defensively, he was not a necessity for the Yankees. And that was a tough move. I think I think Didi's career, I hope it gets the respect it deserves because you know you come in for Jeter, you have a really rough first year and a half. And you're really wondering if it's too much for him. And then towards the end of 16, and then obviously 17, 18, and and this year at times, 
I mean, he was a dynamic player defensively and offensively for the Yankees with that left-handed bat, had a flair for the dramatic. You don't have that 17 run without him. You don't have some moments this year without him. He hit that grand slam in game two of the division series. I wonder if they had won a World Series or two if you look back at him the same way you look at like a Tino. Remember, Tino was only with the Yankees for five years, but in those five years, they won four championships. You know, I wonder if you if you have that with, with Didi, you look at him the same way. I think his career with the Yankees is going to be looked at as, yeah, he came in, filled Jeter's shoes brilliantly, but Glaber Torres is going to be the Yankee shortstop for about the next 12 years. And, you know, Didi might just be a footnote. I hope that's not the case. He was a great player, great for the clubhouse, locker room. Philly's going to get a really good player. He's going to destroy that ballpark if he's healthy. Gets reunited with Girardi. I think that was a really good move for Philly. I hope he stays healthy because, again, I think he could have a 30-home run year this coming year. Yeah, and he I could, think he also could step it up defensively. He was he was kind of compromised last year. so. Yep, and could parlay this into another three-year deal with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving on to the next one. This was a more recent one. Madison Bumgarner, I believe yesterday or maybe the day before, signed a five-year $85 million deal with the D-backs. I like this move for them because this gives them the ability to move Robbie Ray, who has a little bit of value, maybe get some more maybe get some more players out of that. And I still think Bumgarner's got a little bit in the tank. And he wanted to hit clearly because he went to the he stayed in the NL. Yep, wanted to hit, wanted uh wanted 5 years and he knows the D-backs obviously well, knows that ballpark pretty well. Want gets to continue to hit as you said. Um yeah, this was a good, really good move. I, I was kind of surprised. I really thought the Twins were going to land him. I also thought he was going to get triple-digit millions, too. I thought he was at least going to get 100. Really yeah. efficient deal for the D-backs. I like the move for them. Me, too. I, and remember, you know, they, they shed Granky. So now if they think that they can rebuild this team quickly, I mean, you're getting a Madison Bumgarner to front that rotation. And, yeah, you're. I think you make a great point with Robbie Ray. They're, they're going to be able to sell him to a, whatever team doesn't end up getting Ryu because I do think Ray and might have even a little bit higher value than Keuchel. I think Keuchel's destined for a team. I mean, he makes so much sense to go back to a team like Atlanta where he just was. You know, be a three- or four-starter, innings-eater, reliable guy. I don't think he makes much sense for a, a team like the Angels to overpay for, which leads me to say, to your point earlier, the Angels are going to be looking at the trade market for starting pitching. Robbie Ray makes a lot of sense for them. Absolutely. There's a few other pitchers out there. that may, Maybe the Red Sox will deal uh, David Price. Never know about that. But And the Angels, clearly money isn't an issue with them. It's just get, convince the guys to go out to Anaheim. Right, and, and that's where you know you might not be able to do that with some of these guys. But or, when you trade for them, they don't have a choice, so there it is. Right, so good move for Arizona. Obviously, anybody who got Bumgarner, that's a good move just because of his pedigree. I know but you love him. I do. I've always loved I mean, how can you not love a guy that's won that many I games? I do, too. I just think he's got a lot of innings on, those arm, on that arm, but I, I think he's got like two or three more good years left in him. I'll put it this way. If the Yankees missed out on Cole and signed him to five years, 85, I wouldn't love it. No, I agree. I, w- I would not be happy. But for a team like Arizona, yeah. Because they were not going to be, obviously, in the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. Not at all. They get to keep him in the division, and you know they've had an up-close look at him for, for a decade now. Good move for them. This move really surprised me. Not because he got traded, but to where? Corey Kluber goes to Texas. Does not make any sense to me? I mean, they didn't really get much back either. Delano DeShields is kind of a finished product. I don't know who the fuck the other guy is. A reliever. Close, yeah. 
Um, but I guess honestly, I think that this move was more for the Indians just to unload that pay, the pay that they're having to give him from the cap or whatever you want to call it from their salary because they want to hold on to Lindor. I just think that's the only reason why they made the move at all. Yeah, at least hold on to Lindor for this year. Um, you're right, man. I, I'm. I was surprised that Texas was the team that that gave him up, and I was also surprised for how little they got in return for him. I'm more, I mean, I understand Texas making this move because they kind of see that that division, especially with Houston, who knows what they're going through, being a little more wide open, kind of getting an ace-type pitcher for down there. And you've still got Mike Miner and, and Lance he's, Lynn. He's a strikeout machine, and he also has a pretty high ground ball rate, which is good for that ballpark especially. New ballpark now. But those home runs are still going to fly out of there, oh, I yeah. feel like. Oh, yeah. Especially down there in Arlington with that kind of weather. But – the only thing that didn't make sense was the lack of, I guess, return that the Indians got. But I think you're right. I think this was about unloading the yeah. money. I mean, I bet they could have gotten a little bit more for him, but they have a team that's – I mean, the Twins had a nice year, and they won the division. And But, I mean, as good as their year was, Cleveland just never put it all together, and they went through some injuries. Now Bauer and Kluber are gone. This is going to be Shane Bieber's team. This is going to be Playsack's team. This is going to be Clevenger's team. So I, I get, I guess, DeShields Shields feel, fills a role for them in that outfield with Puig gone. Um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that it was Texas. I thought he would go. I don't know. I was thinking a team like San Diego was rumored for him a lot. Uh, the Angels could have gone for him, but at the end of the day, the Rangers, you know, they they need to field a competitive team because they missed out on Cole, they missed out on Strasburg, they missed out on Rendon. And they're going to this brand new ballpark. If you start a rotation with Kluber, Lynn, and Miner, that's pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. Lynn's really turned it around, and uh, Miner had an incredible year last year. He was a Cy Young candidate for a long time. He really was. All right, so let's move on to some rumors. Yankees are targeting Hater. Bust. That's all I have to say. I don't want any part of Absolute. that. Absolute. You don't want any part of that? I, I would love it. Okay, so my question is, what are you giving up, and is he a necessity? That's fair enough. Honestly, for me, I would rather them sign Batances to a one-year show-me deal yes. than give up all the world and everything else for Josh Hader. Listen, Josh Hader has dominant electric stuff that nobody can question, and he's emerged as one of baseball's best relievers. But he struggled when it's mattered in big moments, including that wild-card game this year against against the Nats. And also, you have Ottavino, Canely, and Britton. Like, Where's Hater pitching? And Green, too. And, and, like, yeah, you make room for a guy like that. I just think but... that the Yankees with this new wave bullpen thing, are, they'll just move him around. They'll just have all these bullpen aces, bar quotes, out of the bullpen. What I if you made him, like, thinking. an opener? <laughs> like, That'd be crazy. The Yankees might do something crazy like that or, like... Not with this rotation. With the fifth... With the fifth Maybe the fifth. Yeah, the fifth spot goes, you know, will open with Hater, or, and then we'll go, like... A softer tossing lefty like a Monty, and then you go green and what? I don't know. I'm all. I obviously have no clue. I'm just trying to think of like, okay, the Yankees have a surplus of talent that they need to decide futures on. Andahar, Frazier, Talkman, uh, you know, Voit slash Ford. Obviously, Voit would have higher value. You know, are you gonna do you believe in Urshela? I don't know. They have guys, though, that, that they could squeeze out. Hap has been rumored to have been dealt, uh, especially before the Cole deal because they thought they were going to free up money with him. I'm not sure where Hater fits. And, yes, you make a guy like that fit, but is he really a necessity? I look at this Yankee team. I don't see one. 
unless Canway's not coming back or there's something with Britain, maybe you trade Britain's salary and you get Hader back and you at least tell Milwaukee you're getting two years of, you know, a legitimate closer setup man type. But I don't know. I saw plenty of Britain the last year with the Yankees. He had a really good 2019. You have Chapman for four more years, three more years. I, I, what do you, what do you need Hader for? You don't need him, but again, we'll see with the Yankees. Clearly, they have a lot of pieces that they're going to have to make decisions on and move around. I don't know. Maybe they'll deal one of those guys for him. Again, I'm in the I'm of this stance that I'd rather just pay the money to Batances and have a show me year out of him. And it doesn't seem like they're going to. All indications are he's gone. I know. It's I I would have liked to have just seen them really sure up the bullpen with Batances and let him show us. I wonder if that means that they're going to do extensions this spring like they did last year and and give Green a deal and give Canely another two, three years. Maybe something like that. That'd be interesting to see. They're also rumored to have um, interest in a guy where the Cubs seem to be selling everyone, but Kyle Schwarber. How do you feel about that? I think it shores up your left field if you really don't have any confidence in Talkman or Frazier after this year with Brett Gardner, and it puts him back as a fourth outfielder, which is kind of what they originally wanted. Not really, actually, because if you think about it, he's probably going to be playing center because what's-his-face is, uh, Hicks. again, on the DL, the 10-year deal for whatever amount of money, 10 years. Seven years, 70. I mean, he's making $10 million a year. Doesn't no, it, it doesn't matter. The money doesn't matter, but... No, it's still. upsetting. I mean, again, I they... I got I have a I have a funny feeling that it's just gonna it's just gonna be like Hicks that is fr- all the time. Yeah, Hicks is frustrating because when he is playing, I mean, he's a he's a difference maker defensively, obviously, but he's got power from both sides. Uh, he's he's a very very valuable player, but he again, there's always something with him. Hope the Yankees are obviously banking on. There's not many other center fielders out there that we can go get of the caliber of him, so let's just bank on him staying healthy. Either way, it won't start in 2020. He's going to be on the DD timetable. It looks like he'll come back sometime in June, July. But getting back to your question about Schwarber, he's another guy. I mean, yeah, in theory, the lefty power bat put him in Yankee Stadium, high on base percentage, all this, that. Okay, if the goal is for Giancarlo Stanton to play almost every day as DH, then the question is, is Kyle Schwarber a good left fielder? I don't think he is. No, I don't so, think he's a plus left fielder at no. all. No, so, so, so what are you doing? You're, you're, you're trading Frazier? I mean, Frazier's not an elite defender, but Talkman has had had a really nice year. You're not paying him nothing. And I'm sure the Cubs will listen to everyone, and I and hell, would it be surprising that on a college basketball Saturday you see across the ticker that they trade Chris Bryant? It wouldn't be shocking, but it will take a fuck ton of talent to get him. And I'm sure that they are not going to just sell Kyle Schwarber away. This is a team that's still very capable of being a playoff team. And I believe the conversation will start with Andahar and or Frazier. I don't know if Schwarber, who's basically a left-handed version and lesser, you know, talent version of Stanton is the kind of guy that you want playing. I, I just it it doesn't seem like a move that makes you a lot better. If the Yankees are going to make any trades unless they're for elite prospects who you don't have to put on your 40 man yet, then it be, you might as well just go go for gold and get another starter, major league starter. Because I, I just don't see where Kyle Schwarber... I mean, obviously, he's an exciting talent. But again, dude, 
where is he playing? I agree with you. I think that they just need to go out and get starters. That's the only. That's the only. And they don't even need really to now. No, they really don't need to. But again, I mean, it's been proven time and time again. You can never have enough. Right. I I think that it wouldn't suck if they traded Hap and Duhar, something like that, for like a couple of dynamic minor league prospects that you can that you know if are called on they'll perform but they are guys you don't have to put up on the 40 yet and they become incredible assets whereas as the season goes on you need another reliever because someone goes down or you need you realize your left field situation's not panning out I mean that doesn't seem like a thing to do for guys of that major league caliber but there's just not many other holes that need to be filled on this team. It's a nice problem to have, I guess. Left field really is the only one, but Frazier and Talkman both acquitted themselves quite well last year. Absolutely. You know I'm a big time Frazier guy. I gotta. Stop. I am too. I gotta. Stop. I gotta. Between him and Drury, I gotta stop picking players. But that's the. Tough I'm not thing. picking it's a favorite like, player. They this need year. to make a decision on him this winter. Like if he doesn't be, come out and win the starting left fielder's job or at least be in the front running, I mean, you're going to have to trade him on such lower value than you ever had. And as much as I like Mike Talkman, and he showed a lot of flashes this year of being a really good player, Clint Frazier is the guy that you've been reluctant to trade for guys like Garrett Cole a couple years ago, for other good players that have come across Brian Cashman's desk, you know, as far as trade offers are concerned. This is his time to shine. He showed it last year. You know, Stanton's going to probably be your DH full time most of the time. If you think this kid can cut it, I mean, you've seen enough of him now to believe whether he can or can't. Like, there's no more evaluating for me. He's, yeah. He, he's your guy if you trust him. If he's not, then move him. Yeah, you can't have him in between Scranton and 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 the majors anymore. Nah, because they've they've had a rough history of kind of ruining guys' value by doing that. I mm-hmm. mean, look at uh, what's that pitcher's name? You know who I'm talking well, Jabba's. about? Well, Jabba's. Well, Jabba, and then the Hughes. pitcher recently that's been on the team that was really hyped. He pitched this past season. It's not Chad Green. It's um, oh, Chance Adams. Trash. Yeah, literally trash. Oh yeah, so bad. Absolutely so bad. So Fucking straight 91 with nothing else. Disgusting. Lindor, does he get moved or did the Kluber deal put a nix on it? I think they'd have to be blown away. That's the only way they move Lindor at this point. I think he's sticking in Cleveland. I think he's too good of an asset, too good of a player. Switch hitting, probably the best shortstop in baseball when healthy. Agreed. And, again, you have Kyle Seager there. Corey Seager, right? Yeah, Corey Seager. Kyle Seager plays for Seattle. Seattle. Yep. So you have Corey Seager... Former Rookie of the Year. MVP candidate a few yep. years back. So. Yep. You don't need – his shortstop is not a, a place that the Dodgers really need to upgrade. All right, the next domino. We saw Bumgarner go yesterday. You've got Ryu. You've got Keichel. you got Donaldson. you got Encarnacion. Predictions on those guys. Who's the first to go? I like your Donaldson idea for a three-year deal. Maybe going to – where did you say again? I said Washington. Yeah. I think maybe going to Washington. Replacing Rendon. Yeah, I think he's the next domino to fall. I think Keuchel ends up with a team – I think he ends up on a two- or a three-year deal that's really not going to be that overwhelming, maybe $50 million, something in that range. I think he goes to Anaheim, honestly. I'm thinking Minnesota. Minnesota's missed out on everybody, and every indication from baseball people were saying that the Twins have been craved – to get a starter and they've lost out. I mean, they were not going to be in the Cole Strasburg sweepstakes, but 
Bumgarner made a lot of sense for them, and they and they didn't pay it. So I think I think Ryu, he's going to make a lot of money. I think Ryu could go to Toronto. Toronto seems like they really want starting pitching because they think that. I mean, look at the trend in baseball over the last six years, seven years. Teams with really good young cores of position players seem to beat their projected window. I mean, the Astros in 15 were two years ahead of schedule. They went to the division series. You know, obviously the Cubs win the World Series. You had the Yankees in 17 come together when they weren't even picked to be a playoff team. And Oakland's come out of nowhere real fast. So you've got a really good young nucleus of obviously Biggio, Bichette, and and Vlad. You have Teoscar Hernandez. You have um, the other Gurriel. I mean, this team has a boatload of talent. Your boy Drury's still there. He's a nice player. Uh, They have Jansen, the catcher. This team needs pitching. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a, 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 Hung, a Hung Jin Ryu on a three, four-year deal. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. And then we're looking at the last guy, and this is Encarnacion. I could see him going to maybe back to Cleveland. Yeah. I could see him going there. I, I see him on like a one- or a two-year deal. Just a power bat for a team that needs to fill a spot. Nelson Cruz, I, I think he'd be a perfect guy for um for uh, like a Minnesota, but Nelson Cruz is already there. You know who he's perfect void. for, in my opinion? The White Sox or the Orioles? Mm. The Orioles, remember, they brought in Nelson Cruz when his value was a little bit down, and he restored it and, and got paid. And he could go to Camden and mash, and they could do with him what Seattle did with him and trade him midway through the season and get some assets for him. The White Sox, you, I mean, you have a Brayu, but he's a first baseman. He's a first baseman. Encarnacion's your DH. I mean, I think he would bring a lot of power and stability to to US Cellular Field. Um, I think those two destinations make a lot of sense. Obviously, he's an AL guy. Yeah, no, no, he cannot play first base anymore. I don't know if he played like a couple innings for the Yanks this year, and it, it was uh, you know what he is. It was a sight to see. He's not god awful. That's a compliment. Sure, sure. I see a lot of Jason Giambi in him. Jason Giambi was not god awful. Okay, okay. Whatever you, know, you have to say. Not good, but again, that's it's not it's not an he ideal. Wasn't in the, he wasn't out there for his glove. No, it's not <laughs> an ideal situation if he's your starting first baseman. All right, so that's a lot of baseball, man. It was good to talk about it. I'm I'm just so happy that this year moves were being made quick, fast, with urgency because last year it got a little depressing. It wasn't good for the sport. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? I think they cleaned it up this year and they knew that. Yeah, I and think. the agents actually did their job this year. And the other thing, too, is like you had guys that have actual value. I mean, the problem with Harper and Machado was they wanted to go to the big markets and the big markets didn't want them. This year, the big markets wanted all the big guys. I mean, you see Strasburg landing in D.C. again. You have the Yankees, Dodgers, and Angels going all in for Cole. You have you know a couple of those t- teams that missed out on Cole going for Rendon. I mean, that's it's a good good thing to have. I mean, I, baseball last year, the part of the why it went so slow was everybody was waiting for Harper and Machado to go, and none of them did until yeah. February. So. It's wild, but it's good to talk baseball again. Season's two months away from spring training, and it can't come soon enough because we're going to talk NBA now. And, Tom, we haven't had your thoughts on it, but I need to give you the floor here. Well, we talked about it a little need, bit last week I for the need, Knicks. Yeah, I don't need you to go too deep into it, but I said my Mike piece, Miller. I said my piece last week. He's just a stopgap. 
I, I just want to see them, and I saw a couple rumors that Markeith Morris, the, the uh, or Mark, whatever, you know, and I, I suck at names. I know his last name's Morris, and he has a twin brother in the league. That's and they went to Kansas. That's all that matters. I know that the Clippers are interested in him. Trade him quick, fast, and in a hurry. I don't they care can now. Get a second rounder for him. I don't give a shit. Get, I want these young players to be developed. I'm sick and tired of watching these veterans that are fully developed play on this team that's going to win 15 fucking games. I'm done with it. I don't even watch the Knicks anymore. I, I I'm complete because it makes me sick. That's all I have to say. That's it. I've already <laughs> spoken about how it doesn't make sense that they got rid of Fizdale. The only reason why I thought they did it was because he wasn't developing the young players. But we're gonna have to see what Mike Miller does, and that's gonna take about thirty games. And I'm gonna have to look at all the players' minutes because Kevin Knox should be playing in the fourth quarter. Uh, Rolando Trier, what did he die? So, do you trade Neil Kina or no? If you're going to trade Nilakina, now's the time to do it because his value is peaking. But I, I don't think you trade Nilakina. He's a building block type player. Do you really think so? Uh, yeah. If, if The offense that I've seen from him recently, if he can strongly develop that, the way he defends, he's going to be your probably one or two guard for the next couple years. I, I would trade, if you can, Alfred Payton's been playing a little bit better. Get it, fuck out of here. I would trade not Randall. You got to hold on to him, but yeah, Morris. He's not going I, I would get rid of Peyton. And you know who you really have Taj to trade? Gibson. Taj Gibson. You're not going to get much for him. Maybe maybe you do a buyout. Probably not. But no, uh, get a second on rounder. Remember, you yelled about not being able to get a second rounder for Cantor last year. And that was disgusting because he played really well for Portland in the playoffs. Gibson's a pro. He can help a team like Boston. Absolutely. And the other guy that I I'd really like to see go is, I mean, I would like to see Alfred Payton go, but more importantly, Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, I, yeah. I can't I, I can't do it, man. I mean, listen, he's bouncy, he's really athletic, but he's just stunting the growth of these other guys, and he's not part of the future, and you can see that. I think he's stunting, even stunting the growth of Nilakina. Nilakina should have the ball in his hands more often. The thing about Nilakina that I, I, and I know he's obviously progressed from year to year, but there's nothing about his game to me that says you're a building block point guard. Building block point guards need to score. He can't score in an elite level. He never will. I mean, he could put the ball in the basket a little bit. I think he's an off. You know what? I think he's an off guard type player. I don't think he's your point guard unless the only way he's your point guard is if you think that R.J. Barrett is your playmaker and he's your primary ball handler. I think that he's Tony Allen. I'd love that. I think that, but again, that's not a building block player. That's a guy that helps you win. He's a he's a he's a sixth man. He's a he's a really good glue guy. He's great. He's um maybe he could be Pat Bev. Maybe he could maybe he could you could stick him on the top defender and know that if you have a team around you that can score points, he can put in his ten to fourteen a night. But he's going to be a dog on defense. He's going to get into the, his opponent's jersey all night and piss him off. Uh, and I think that that's maybe more of a comp. I don't think he's a building block. I think he's just a guy that you have to surround him with talent. I just think that he's still being developed, and he's uber-athletic, and I think that if you can figure out a way to develop that jump shot, he's going to be a really good player. He can handle the ball really well, and he can pass. He's oh, got no. good court vision. Everything other than his offensive game from scoring is, is not a question. And I, that's the reason why I want to get rid of guys like Dennis Smith Jr. and other guys that just hold the ball for 20 seconds out of the fucking shot clock because there's no ball movement. There's, there, not. there's no teamwork at all whatsoever, and it's just it's depressing. I think the overall... 
issue is is like do you trust the people at hand no. to develop no so again so if you don't then then you sell him while you can because if you don't believe he's going to achieve that next level under who's whoever's going to be the gm or the head coach then there's no reason to to trust to trust that so just get rid of him now and get whatever asset i bet you you could fetch a first rounder for him right now it would have to be later it would you know be a team that's very very good already but I mean, if you paired him with freaking Luca, I mean, talk about his stat line going up. You know, if you absolutely put, if you put him send him to L.A. Yeah, the Lakers. Yeah, I think even if you put him on a team like Minnesota, if they can't find a way to get D'Lo out of, out of Golden State, I think that works. Um, there's some destination. There's some teams that would pay for him because uh, he is that good, at least defensively, and you believe that his stats will translate more with other talent around him. That's the biggest problem for me, man. Is when I look at the Knicks, is I just it's the it's the ability to take players with talent, raw talent, and and use that development word and truly make them better. And I mean, I, R.J. Barrett has a shit ton of talent. He's got to learn to be a really good NBA player. He's one of the youngest players in the league. I don't have any questions about him, and he's been really good this year. I like everything I see from him other than his free throw shooting, which will get better. But again, you have to have guys on the coaching staff and on the roster that are going to allow him to bloom. You're not winning games. you got to see him get better. That's the biggest atrocity with Kevin Knox is he's getting DNPs. You know? That's terrible. And And... and I don't even necessarily blame Fisdale because if the edict was, we think this team's good enough to win and you're not winning, you're not going to play Kevin Knox over Marcus Morris. Not right now. No. So that that was the mistake. Number one is, you know, believing, telling him that, Hey, you, if you, if you play this way, you can keep your job. If you win these games, you can keep your job. Overall, I think the biggest problem was, this was just a mis- gross mistrust or mismanagement of a roster, which we've obviously discussed. Because they can't be a way station for for expirings and bad contracts to come bring, you know, you can't do. They don't have the ability right now to make a Timothy Mozgov, D'Angelo Russell trade. I mean, they tried that last year with Dennis Smith, but Dennis Smith has not turned out to be their version of D'Angelo Russell. And that's that's a problem because if he had been, then that's a move that you look and say, yeah, fuck, we had to give up Porzingis. Yeah, we didn't get the free agents, but we've got this guy who who's attractive and making us good. Absolutely, yeah. And they, they obviously didn't wait till the end of the season when you can you can keep your cap space till the last, time, last second of the season. And they blew it all on a bunch of power forwards. It's fucking ridiculous, and I don't want to talk about it anymore, okay? No. Uh, okay? Yeah, it's fine. Because as a sports star, I have every right to be upset. Oh, my God. You have more reason to be upset of anybody. Um, Talk about my team. Um, This is last year's team. Like, this is last year's team. Like, they can beat anybody simply because they'll play smarter and grittier than a lot of teams. I mean, they blew out the 76ers last night. I know didn't have Embiid, but I'm sorry. I'm not in the sympathy business. This is a sports art thing. I'm not in the sympathy business when my three best players are not playing. I'm in agreement with you there. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So I, I, Although they, you did say to me on the phone, oh, my Nets are about to win another game. And then oh, my God. That was so bad. When we got off that pod, off. they absolutely dogged that game against Charlotte. And uh, who's that guy? Fucking um, the scorer there for Charlotte. He's come out of nowhere. Graham. I just yes, Devontae Graham. Yeah. 
I was thinking Trevion when I first saw Graham in the box score. I was like, no, he's in Minnesota. Right? I was like, okay, it wasn't an old friend. Yeah. Um, God, he poured in 40 that night. And, the, and the, you know, there are games where clearly the Nets, like last year, they just don't have the guys who can go finish a game for you. But no, they when should. they play well, and that's the problem. So Kyrie obviously still out with that shoulder impingement. This is kind of a mystery injury. I have no idea how much longer he's going to be out. I'm not hearing any updates on Karras' thumb. Um, they're treading water with with guys like Garrett Temple, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> if you said on on June 30th, the Nets signed Garrett Temple, DeAndre Jordan, Kyrie Irving, and and Kevin Durant, who's been their best player through the first 25 games of the season, has been DeAndre Jordan and Garrett Temple. It's really funny, but um, Jared Allen's Is grown. It funny? It's funny because it's like you just would never have ever said that, Uh, you know, as again, depressing. It's not depressing because they're winning. Yeah, they're they're a playoff team like they will be in the playoffs this year and they're beating again. Every reason why these guys chose Brooklyn is being validated this year. This is last year's team. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is an all star. I mean, I know he had a nice year last year and he's gotten better and I thought he could win six man or something. This guy is a fucking legitimately great player right now in this league. He's had as good of a first 25 games of the season as any guard in the league. Um, Jared Allen's gotten so much better. Obviously, Joe Harris is fine. Torian Prince. I've been mixed on him. He's had moments where he's been really good, and he's at times he's left a little to be desired. But, you know, you got guys like Garrett Temple playing really big roles for this team. Theo Pinson playing big roles for this team. Wilson Chandler just came off suspension. He's going to help because the rebounding has been atrocious. They're a fun team to watch from just the standpoint of their gritty. This was never about this year, but this was supposed to be the year that you got Kyrie assimilated in the system. And then KD joins him next year. He'll still play his games, but he's not going to play as many as I thought. And I was thinking about what they're going to do rotation-wise when Kyrie comes back. They have to start Dinwiddie with Kyrie. They they complement each other much like when they made the when Atkinson made the decision last year to play D'Lo with with um, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie a little bit at, at times. That was a team that would, could score at will, and Karras is more of a ball dominant guy. Like he has to have the ball in his hand or be a, or have plays run for him to really be successful. And he can't really do that with Kyrie because Kyrie's that guy. And, but, but obviously Dinwiddie can just be play off ball, hit threes, play defense, you know, out physical, another shorter guard that he's going against. And you can let both of them kind of play hot potato with who's hotter that night. Um, I think Levert, needs to play with the second unit because the second unit legitimately has times where they cannot score the basketball mm-hmm. and you can let Karras's efficiency rating go up or his usage, I should say go up because he'll be the one who can score the ball in that second unit. Cause Deandre Jordan's not much of a scoring threat. He gets, he does his scoring off misses and alley oops. He's know. a dunk guy. Yeah, that's it. That's all he is. And the other guys are more defensive guys. So Garrett Temple can find his shot, but he's also effective if he's not shooting. Karras can, you know, you can run plays for him, play iso ball with him for the rest of this year, I'm saying. I'm looking at the game against the Knicks on December 26th. 
the day after Christmas as the game Kyrie could theoretically come back. Because you're down in New Orleans and down in San Antonio and home against Atlanta tomorrow through Saturday. And then you don't play again for six days and or five days. And then you get him another couple weeks of treatment and work him back into the system. Again, it has been disappointing. Like, I want to see Kyrie play. But much like last year when Levert went down, this team is is treading water and winning some games. Yeah, they're losing some games that they should... They're losing games that you can say that they should win, but they're winning games you should say they should lose. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were last year. I mean, they are a seven seed, six seed right now, but, dude, they're they're fun to watch every night because they're not going to get dogged. And that's... Only by the only by the Hornets. Dude, so bad. And they had killed the Hornets the first two times they played them. And it was just like, oh, my God. Hey, sometimes players get hot, and Graham's playing really well this year. Right, and and the Nets didn't have a guy. I think Joe Harris that night made three shots. I think Torian Prince made four shots. I mean, they, they just didn't have anybody they could get the ball to consistently down the stretch there. And, and, you know, it is what it is. But seven seed in the East, two games above five hundred for a team that doesn't have its three best players, I, I'll take it. Year or uh, League round, what LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers are doing right now is insane. Defensively, they're the best team in the league, and they're letting LeBron do his thing out there. Listen, Rondo's back now. I saw a couple highlights with him running the fast break. It seems fun to watch, and they're they're better in the regular season than I ever thought they would be. And I think LeBron's making a statement right now. Are they the best team in the NBA? No, the Clippers are, in my opinion. Paul George is too fucking good as a second player. And I think that unit altogether is better, more talented. Okay. So maybe the Lakers take that first seed in the in the West, but the Clippers are still the team to beat once playoff time. I think the Clippers won the finals this year, my friend. Yeah, both predicted that. Um, top five power rankings. Top five power rankings, I'd have to say, probably the Clippers, number one. Number two, the Lakers. Number three, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Bucks. Four, I'd probably have to take... The Boston Celtics. Even Put them over Philly? Yep. I don't like what I'm seeing out of Philly at all, offensive efficiency-wise, and I'm looking for, at the bigger picture here playoffs-wise. There's nobody on Philly that really can run an offense and create their own shot aside from Embiid with his back to the basket. Horford's a great playmaker, and he's a good three-point shooter, but you're not going to ask him to go out there from 18 feet out and create his own shot. Tobias Harris is just in an offense that doesn't work for him at all. They haven't gotten anything out of Ennis. And Ben Simmons, he's great on the fast break, but when you put him at half court and you tell him to run an offense, aside from a pick and roll with Embiid, what really can he do? And this is something we've been talking about with them for a few years. And they, they are they winning. Play, they're, they're doing like, uh, listen, they are winning games, but offensive efficiency-wise, they're in the bottom five in the league. They're a great defensive team. But I think when it comes to playoff time, they're going to be in some real trouble figuring out ways to score points. And I guess that leads to my bigger question is when when do they break up Simmons and Embiid and who's the one that they let go? They're gonna get lo- they're gonna get rid of Simmons and I think it's this offseason is if they don't have a conference finals or further run in them. I I think I picked them to go to the NBA finals just because I really didn't like the Brogdon loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. But Giannis has gotten better and that team's pretty good out there. So I think the Bucks might end up in the finals this year out of the out of the Eastern Conference because I don't think that Philly has anybody that can stop um, Giannis this year. So who's your fifth? What did I name there? You, Four? You went the two LA teams and then you went um, Milwaukee and Boston. 
I'm probably going to go with, as of right now, the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. I They've think been that, on a little bit of a streak here. Yeah, they're, they're getting hot. Jokic is playing himself into shape because he was a little bit of a pudgy boy to start the season. Probably had a few nice cigarettes in Europe with, with some pastries. I would I would only assume, and he might not have been playing enough basketball, but he's going to play himself into shape. He's an All NBA player and might win. I think I picked him to win the MVP this year, and I picked them to be the one seed. So I'm going to have to throw them in at five power rankings. Most fun team to watch this year, though. Before you jump in, is definitely the Mavs. Who do you think? How could I just the Mavs? Right? You know what I just. It, it, and it, I'm really happy. You know what? And and we didn't mention this. Sorry to cut you. Sorry to interrupt. No, go, there. Go go go. I'm I'm happy Melo's back and he looks like he's in a good situation out there in Portland. I'm glad you brought him up. I was going to I was going to bring save him for the end, but let's talk about him now before we talk about Luka and the Mavs. Um he's energized that team. And you know what? That's a really good spot for him because he can just come in and score. He doesn't have to do anything else. He won Western Conference Player of the Week already. It's not like he's going in like he he wasn't given opportunities in um, Oklahoma City or Houston. He, I don't even think he looked washed. I don't want to say that. I don't think that's the right adjective to, de- to describe it. I just think he was in terrible situations there. I think you're exactly right. He's just being put in a really good position to do what he does best. And he's not being asked to do more, and nobody should ask him to do that. And you can live with your games where he's like, you know, 7 of 25. Because you're going to live with the games where he makes, you know, where he's all of a sudden scored, you know, eight points in three minutes. Like, he can still microwave points for you, and that's a team that needs that. And they need that size from that position who can just take the ball, ISO, and score. I'm happy for him. Listen, I think the league is caught up to him. I think his style of play is antiquated. But you can tell even this year he's playing a little bit differently than than Melo we've seen. I a mean, little bit. He's an ISO Joe type player, and he's a mid-range guy, and you're never going to be able to take that out of him. But if he can change his game up a little bit, take a few more threes, make a few more good passes like he has and move the ball around a little bit more, then that's all you really needed out of him. And I think he needs to be playing somewhere, and as dumb as this sounds, because everybody thinks that it should be fun, and we've had our Durant-Kyrie talks at nauseum over what they believe is fun. But you know what? Carmelo Anthony has always had fun playing basketball because he's always been able to score, and he's always been able to get the crowd into it when he's made a big shot or when he gets on one of those stretches where he makes four in a row and, and you know, like nobody can stop him and he's, you know, pulling up over two guys and draining a fadeaway. He's having fun. He's happy to be back in the league. I think he still believes he's an alpha, and but I think as it's gone on, he's having just fun playing his role, and his role is an important role for that team. Uh I always thought that he got a bad bad rap. He's even said it as much. Do I think his game is perfect for the NBA? No. But there's a lot of other guys that come in that play similarly to him who are not as good as him. So I'm happy for him. I agree with you on that. For Dallas, we need to have another Luka Love Fest. Hmm. It bothers me so much that he's getting all this praise now. Where the fuck have these people been? I mean, I was screaming up and down as you were that he wasn't the number one overall pick. I was screaming up and down last year that he wasn't getting more love. I know the team wasn't good, but he's appointment television if you're just tuning into the NBA. And soon when football's over, 
and you are just trying to find national TV games to watch, you better circle those Dallas Mavericks games. He's going to be out now, it looks like, about a week or so with, with an ankle sprain. But listen, the guy can do everything at an elite level. I, 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 I don't understand why now the people who are really knowledgeable of the sport are just glossing over him like he's this you know, phenomenon. He's been a phenomenon. Since he, he has, was like 15. He has been a phenomenon. People are just either too lazy or they just wanted Trey Young or I don't know what it was. And Trey Young's had a really nice year and he's a really fine player and he'll be an all-star player and he'll score with the best of them. And I'm happy that he's turned his critics around. He's a great passer. Too, I always way. thought that Trey Young could be a good player, but he's not Luka. Luka's a once in a, you know, 20 year guy. I mean, he's not even close to scratching the surface of his ability. I mean, the the league will be... And he's probably right now, when it's all said and done, the MVP runner-up behind Giannis. Yeah, in two or three years, the NBA will belong to Giannis and Luka. Mm-hmm. And that's not being... That's not hyperbole. Nope. Because the veteran stars will have one. They'll have their load management. LeBron might be gone. Kawhi, KD... Kyrie, that that generation will be on their, you know, towards the twilight of their careers. And you're just going to watch Giannis and Luka duel it out for NBA championships. If their teams or whoever they choose to go to, Giannis probably will not stay in Milwaukee long term. Whether Dallas keeps Luka or not, who cares? But those two individually should be going up against each other in the deep in the playoffs for a long time. Absolutely. They, they're they both a lot of fun to watch, and I think... Why don't you give me your power five right now? Sure. Um, so, I'm going to go with the Lakers, number one. They've okay. won 14 in a row. They're they're phenomenal. I agree that once you get to playoff time, Clippers probably have the edge, but I'm, start, I'm starting... Oh, how could you not? I mean, he is... He's the Iceman. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it is what it is, and Paul George is electrifying. The, the supporting cast... I'm not putting Paul George in the supporting cast column, but... Those two and the supporting cast, they're unbelievable. But you know what? If if the Lakers continue to have Dwight playing like he's playing, Rondo's playing like he's playing, and you got guys like Alex Caruso, like you don't, love him, love him. You don't know if they can't. I'm. You talk about you're not going to ever go up against Kawhi. It's hard for me to ever pick against LeBron. So especially if he's playing like this, and Anthony Davis having the best year of his career too. So I'll put the Lakers one. And I'll flip-flop your two guys. I'll put the Clippers two. I don't care about load management. I don't care about this. When those guys play together and the rest of the team's good, they'll beat anybody any night. Number three for me is obviously Milwaukee. They're number one in the East, and they're head and shoulders above. I'm going to put Toronto at four. I know Boston has a slightly... I don't know if Boston actually has a better record than Toronto. I think Toronto's the two right now in the East. But regardless... Toronto's fucking so good. Absolutely. Uh, Siakam has taken that next step. You've still got Gasol. Van Vliet's taking another Van big Vliet step, Van Vliet has played he very well. He might be well. best player, most improved player this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he walked away with that award. Lowry's still Lowry. OG Ananobi's had a nice had a nice little run. This team's just really good, and they're fantastically coached by Nick Nurse. So, to me, that's number four. And then number five, I'll stick in the East. I still love Boston. If you were to tell me I have to watch Boston-Denver, which I did last week or two weeks ago, whenever that was, Boston was just much better. Absolutely. And, and yeah, listen, they were Denver's, at that time. Denver's yeah. on a roll. And, and, and yeah, it's probably affected by I the fact that Jamal, Boston gets to play the East. And, and I need Murray to take that next step. 
Yeah, and he's That's had, the only way they're going to win. Hey, listen, the Nets beat the Nuggets two Sundays ago by one. And Jamal Murray was the best player on the floor in that game, and it wasn't He's not close. consistent, though. That's right. the problem. Right, and, and you know That's his next step. That's his next step. Uh, and, and listen, I have questions about Boston. I mean, we have questions about Philly because they're too half-court dominant. I look at Boston, and once they start playing teams with size— you say, is he much better for the team than Kyrie? Yes. Is he much better for the culture? I think that's also because Tatum's taken that next step. Brown's had some of his, uh, you know, a little bit of his maturation process behind him. And also you got Mark. Marcus Morris does not get enough shit for, he was just as toxic as Kyrie. Kyrie was just the superstar. But whatever happened with that team last year, there's a lot of problems with that team as a lot of guys have come out and acknowledged Yes, Kemba is much better for the culture. But you know what? He's not going to win many games for you in the playoffs by himself. Kyrie can win games for you by himself. I'll be interested to see when Boston gets that gets to that point. I think point. Tatum might get to that level, But see, though. that's the thing. I think they need Tatum and Brown and possibly Hayward to take, to take that next step because Kemba can set you up against size in a big game, but we've already seen a couple times this year he gets blanketed in the fourth, and he's not capable of taking you over the edge. And you know what? He shouldn't have to. That's where you not need... with this roster, right? So I'll be interested to see how that goes come playoff time. But right now, they're a top five team in the NBA for me. Completely agree with you. All right. So college basketball. North Carolina just lost to Wofford a couple days ago. They were in the number seventeen. Scene. And um, what's his name? Cole Anthony's out for a little bit now. Yeah, and, and he was looking like a lottery pick, probably a top three pick. So that's a shame to see because I, I'm not a big Carolina guy, but he was a lot of fun to watch. Um, how are you feeling about your UConn Huskies? And we'll go over college basketball a little bit throughout the league. I feel good about my UConn Huskies. They lost a really tough one on Tuesday night. Garrett Cole night, I'll call it. Um, <laughs> they lost to Indiana by three at the Garden in the Jimmy V Classic. Um, but this team's good. This is a game that last year they would have lost by you know, 12 or 13 points. They had a lead heading into halftime, just couldn't close it. But there's talent on this team, and some of their young guys are coming, up, up, you know, around a little quicker than I thought. Conference play starts with a game at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's really kicked their asses the last few years. I think if all goes well and I don't know, all breaks well, this is a potential tournament team as, a, as you know, a 10 seed or so. I, I like, I'll put it to you this way. They're going to be in basically every game they play, and if they lose, it's because of youth. But they have this kid, uh, Book Knight, who, I mean, he looks like he looks like what Jalen Adams was supposed to be. And you have uh, a cook, a cook who brings a lot of athleticism and a little bit of scoring from the center position. Uh, Josh Carlton is scoring a little bit more, showing a little more physicality down low, both on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Um, I like this team. I'm happy for you because there were some dark years before that with Ollie and whatnot. Ooh, the la- yeah, I mean, the last four years, five years of UConn basketball has been really, really rough. And and you're seeing guys, um, tr- former UConn transfers. I-, I forget the kid's name who's playing in Louisville right now. Who, uh, Enoch, uh, Kevin Enoch, who was playing, he was a big time UConn prospect, and Ollie just couldn't get him to stay and. 
he didn't play well and goes to Louisville, and he's part of one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, Louisville's looking really good this year. I believe, what are they, number one in the country, or they're, they're top five? Uh, Kansas just moved to number one, but they're top five, yeah. They they lost recently a tough game. Oh, they lost to Texas Tech. They were the first mm-hmm. part of that uh, Jimmy V Classic, with UConn Indiana as the second part. But Yep, I mean, there's not really much to talk about with college basketball because it's like the first couple weeks of college football when before conference play. St. John's looks all right. They're 9-2 and two right now. They're starting off their conference play coming up on um, what looks to be New Year's Eve is when conference play starts, at least for the Big East. St. John's is playing Butler. That's a loss, unfortunately. Um, Do you see anything with your new St. John's head coach that you like? Yeah, I like the way they're moving in transition. It was a little bit slower with Mullen. I like the players that he's recruited as well. They play with a little bit more heart, and they're really they're fucking dogs on defense, which uh, I really like to see. I just like the transition game that they're playing. A lot of athletes out there. I was really happy to see that. Mustafa Heron's been playing really well this year. He definitely took over a lot of shots from Shamori Pons, who's playing pretty well in Toronto right now, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's playing some impact minutes. He's in the league nonetheless. So um, I, I like what I see. fill it up at St. John's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I like what I see out of um, out of this team. I, I don't think they're a tournament team. They're 9-2 and two right now, but they haven't really played anybody. They already lost to UVM, which is a game that you should probably win by 10 to 12 points. Um, they're going to play Arizona coming up soon. That should be within the next – I think that's on December 21st. That'll be a real test. I think they lose that game by probably 20. Nico Mannon is an absolute animal. You know what you need to see from your team, though, as your new head coach brings in you know, some transfers and also you know, starts to make his footprint on, his, uh, on the recruiting classes? You got to see belief – that this team is going to turn a page and they play with a tenacity, a ferocity, or at least an, you know, an identifiable style of play. Well, that's what I'm seeing from right. them. It's hard defense and it's transition basketball. Hey, listen, UConn last year was god-awful. Uh, they lost a lot of games that to, to teams that really aren't all that good. But you started to see Hurley get a feel for the rotations, get a feel for certain guys. Um they played harder last year than they did for Ali in the previous three years. And that was something where I looked at Hurley. He had pedigree. Um, what is Ali up to now? He's not coaching. Is I he think, an analyst or something? No, he's fighting a lawsuit with UConn. Oh, shit. Yeah, he's for the wrongful termination of his contract. UConn doesn't want to pay him, and they, they believe they have a right not to pay him. Because he, he sucks. He's fighting for it. So, listen, it's so weird because, like, he won he a title. Won, he won with Calhoun's players, yeah, of but course. he was still the head coach. And like that wasn't his first year. His first year was when they were sanctioned in the form in the last year of the former Big East and weren't allowed to play in any postseason, including the Big East tournament. And they won a couple of really big games that year, and they were playing for Ollie. I don't know if it was the fact that they knew, hey, we don't get to play in the tournament or or anything, but Let's just show up. But that was a big maturation year for some of those guys that were key catalysts on that 2014 team. And I mean, they yeah, won. Shabazz had a good yeah, year that year. Yeah, Boatwright, um, uh, Daniels. Uh, they had guys, uh, Niels Giffey. And they, listen, yeah, those were all Calhoun's guys. But you know what? They played for Ollie, and Ollie got them through a tournament where they were the eight seed. So you can't tell me that he doesn't know how to win. But one thing he couldn't do is once he got guys, they never got better. That was the problem. Was you know, uh, I think of I think of some of Amita well, player development was uh, just trash. Um, Amita Brima was a freshman on that fourteen team as a center, 
and he got better as the season went on and you got excited about him. He was going to be in the next, you know, one of those African Yukon bigs that they've brought in, you know, and got better, you know, from years one to two, two to three, three to four. And, um, he regressed tremendously. And you had guys who were leaving way before they should have. And because they didn't want to play there and weren't getting better. And that's a major problem. That's an indictment on a head coach. I think he should go somewhere else, maybe D2 or, or lesser D1 and have an opportunity to build up a program again. Because I think anybody that wins a national title should have the right to do that. We're only five years removed. Yeah, no, I agree with you. But, I mean, college basketball is pretty interesting this year. We've already had some upsets with Kentucky losing early to I don't remember who. You're the more college basketball aficionado. Um, I got to ask you, what do you think of this year that we're going into? Because I'll tell, I got to I got to be honest. I'm excited about year. UConn. It's a little down this year. But, you know, that's just because I'm a fan. Last year you had Zion. You, well, you had, had you had captivating TV. Yeah. Well, this year you're in trouble because the Memphis kid is... But he's back in mid-January, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But there, there's going to be a bunch surrounding that. There's a lot of good players out there to watch, but losing a couple guys overseas, and I think you're going to see this more and more often with RJ Hampton and you have Lamelo out there, who are both going to be lottery picks. Mark my words. They oh, both no, will I be agree. lottery picks. Um, it's just making it tougher on college basketball to, to really draw the fans. Duke's a little bit down this year as well. They don't have the type of, obviously, cachet that they did with Zion. Um, and, and there's just not really a dominant team in college basketball this year. And I know Duke lost a few games last year, but they were a dominant team just based off their players. Mm-hmm. And, and there's really not a team this year because Kansas, you have the looming Adidas thing. Louisville, they're still recovering from that whole Patino thing, even though they're a great team. And conference play hasn't even started yet. I still love college basketball. I'm still going to watch, you know, uh, hundreds of seconds and minutes and hours of games, but it's just not the same as it was last year. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I believed you were going to say because, I mean, I've always loved college basketball, and the part of the reason I haven't really brought it as much, you know, of opinion over the last few years is because my team's been trash. And part of why I've always loved college basketball is I was always kind of scouting to see who UConn was going to play or who potential matchups or, or, you know, you get to see these good games in the regular season and then well, get lucky tested. for you, they're going to be back in the big East. Yeah. Yeah. Soon, next year. So. And, and, yeah, but next year. So it'll give you something to last year really kept me into it because of Zion and Duke. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I'm going to be looking forward to more college basketball this year but the storylines are just not what they were last year. And I'm interested to see who takes that next step. I'm certainly impressed with what Juwan Howard's done early with that Michigan team. Yeah, he's probably the biggest story. Lost a tough one to Oregon in overtime the other day. But again, that was a great game. And that's a really good team. He's already beat two top 10 teams this year. So, I mean, that, that off the bat. And he won the tournament that last year, the team that won it all won. So... We're going to have to see how how that goes, but he's really doing a good job coaching them out there because he doesn't have – there's no lottery picks on that team. It's it's a very senior-laden team, and I think that they could probably be a two or a three seed this year. That's that's something to look for. Uh, that Big Ten is always deep. Absolutely. Yeah, but we're going to talk more college basketball as we get into conference play and whatnot because – Only a couple weeks away. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you got North Carolina losing to Wolford. But, again, it's not college football. They're going to be just fine. Yeah, it's a different structure, and still, I don't think there's any better sporting event period 
than the NCAA tournament. I can't wait for March Madness. It can't come quicker because that just brings us closer to Yankees baseball. That's true. We're already in like mid-spring training. It's just like, please get us to In our brains. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we'll be back on Wednesday. For NFL. Some NFL. Um, I am in the Fantasy Football Championship. Congrats. Knock on woods. Knock on wood as long as there's no <laughs> stat corrections. Multiple woods for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, Mike French, you know where you stand with me, buddy. That's all I have to say. All right. Talk all to you Wednesday. All right, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>